Hey, good morning. This is our third year doing an Advent series. The Advent season is the four Sundays leading up to <clears throat> Christmas, and we have um, taken these, these seasons to sort of slow down and focus on the incarnation, the, the miracle of God the Son becoming one of us. We may not do an Advent series every year, but it's been a sweet way to really slow down and be in awe of King Jesus. What we're seeking to do during this time is we want to develop an incarnational imagination. What does that mean? We want to see the staggering mystery and glory of God the Son becoming the Son of Mary. If you come to Christmas morning and you've got presents bought or, or, or food prepared, but you haven't been overwhelmed with the glory and the greatness of the incarnation. Something's missing at that point. So we want to make sure that we cultivate this incarnational imagination so that the eyes of our hearts might sense, might glimpse this Jesus, born a child and yet a king. And so this year, what we're doing is a series called Songs of Advent, we have been inspired to this series by a book that came out this year called 40 Favorite Hymns of the Christian Year. It's by Leland Riken, who's one of my favorite authors. And there's a section, as he goes through the, the, the church calendar, there's a section of, of songs about Christmas. And so these are meditations on the spiritual and poetic meanings of these different songs. And they're songs with a long shelf life. And so the plan for how these four Sundays are going to work is this. We're not preaching the, the hymns, we're not preaching the songs, we preach scripture, we preach the word, but we're going to preach from Advent texts in the Bible that these songs point us to and, and, and probably were inspiring to the, to the authors as they, as they wrote these hymns. And we hope that as we preach these sermons and open these texts, we'll get to know at the same time these wonderful songs more deeply. Justin Pearson from Sojourn Church and I will be sharing the preaching uh, very much like we did in the summer with the Kingdom Citizens uh, series, I'll do, uh, in, the, in the fall I should say, I'll do uh, messages one and four in the series, and he's going to do messages two and three, and then uh, Christmas Eve, which is our only joint service uh, for the, the series, uh, Justin will be preaching that, and remember that uh, we'll have two Christmas Eve services and we need to register ahead for those. This morning, the title of the message is, Come Now Long Expected Jesus, which is taken from the well-known hymn written by Charles Wesley. That hymn is having its 276th birthday this year. 1744 is when it was written. The focus for the message is going to be Luke chapter 2, verses 29 to 32, this, this sort of song of praise from Simeon. But we're going to read the whole paragraph in order to get the context, and Shilla Kamau is going to read the passage for us. So Shilla, thanks for reading. Hear the word of the Lord. Luke 2. Luke chapter 2, verse, two, verse 22 to 35, right? Yes, Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 22 to 35. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the Lord, law of the Lord. 
Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was, whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents who brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Luke 2, 22 to 35. Thank you, Sheila. Let's pray. Oh God, you said, let there be light, and there was light. And you have brought the light of Christ into our hearts. And we ask for a work of enlightening a work of seeing, a work of showing this morning. We pray that by the power of the Spirit, you would let us see this one who is salvation. We ask that by the power of the Spirit, you would enable the eyes of our hearts to grasp this glorious one, Jesus, Son of Mary, Son of God. We ask that we would not only see, but that we would thrill and worship and glory and follow this great Jesus. Amen. Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, I was working in the yard and a young guy rode by on his bike and I heard him say to his friend, when we get a vaccine, the first thing we need to do is take a vacation. And I'm sure there are a lot of amens to that, right? He's hoping for a vaccine, and he's looking forward to a, va a vacation, and that's kind of how hope works, isn't it? Hope is forward-based. Hope is future-based. But sometimes, in order to grow in hope, we need to look back in order to be effective in looking forward with hope. And I wonder, as you're here this morning, I wonder as you're at home this morning, I wonder, what are you hoping for today? What hopes are rolling around in your mind and in your heart. We all want a hope that doesn't disappoint, don't we? Today we're looking back first at an old song and then at an old text in order to grow in a hope that doesn't disappoint. I want to just read the first verse of Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And as I read this, I want to ask you to see if you can figure out how the situation of, uh, of the singer is, is uh, presented to us by Charles Wesley, the writer. What's the position of the person who's singing this, this song? Here are the words. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. 
From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. What is the situation, what is the position of the singer of this song? Can you see that the singer is praying, petitioning to the Messiah, to the Lord, come, thou long-expected Jesus. There's a request being made here, and I've puzzled kind of over this, this uh, opening line, uh, this opening stanza, as I've sung this song in years past, and Riken in his book really helped me uh, uh, grasp what's going on here. He says, this hymn adopts the strategy of placing us in the position of Old Testament believers who knew the promises of a coming Messiah and longed for the fulfillment of those promises. So as we sing this song, we're actually taking ourselves back in time to the time of this man Simeon and Anna who was there with him in the temple. People in Israel who were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. Now, we live on the other side of Christmas, right? Why would we sing this way? What are the benefits to us? Why would Charles Wesley write the song this way? Well, there are two good reasons to sing Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. First, it helps awaken in us the joy and the staggering miracle of Christmas. Every year as we go through the church calendar and the lead up to Christmas and we sing songs like this, it, it takes us back to the time when the people were waiting and longing for the appearing of the Messiah, when God the Son would become one of us and Christmas Day becomes that moment when we can remember and delight in that incredible incarnation, that miracle. That's the first reason. The second is this. We're actually in the same position as those people were. We're in the same position as Simeon was. We're in the same position as these Old Testament saints were. We too are waiting for God to keep his promises and for Christ to appear on earth. Aren't we? Isn't that who we are? Right? We're waiting for the kingdom of God to appear fully. We're waiting for the day when the not yet is swallowed up by the now. And this is the situation we saw ourselves in last Sunday as we're looking at that parable of the ten minus. We are engaged in kingdom business today, but we're eagerly awaiting the king's return. Tonight, tomorrow, next year, next millennium, we don't know. What we saw then, we see again today. Jesus is worth waiting for. Jesus is worth waiting for. And the, 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 the thesis, the, the main thing I want to leave with you this morning from this passage is this. Jesus is worth waiting for, and Simeon shows us how. Simeon shows us how to wait for the arrival of the Lord. Simeon teaches us how to wait, and the first thing he teaches us is to wait because God keeps his promises. Now, the setting here, if you followed the, the storyline here, the setting is the temple in Jerusalem. Joseph and Mary, Jesus' parents, had to travel from their home in Nazareth to Bethlehem because of a census. And during that time in Bethlehem, Mary gave birth to Jesus. Now it's a couple of months later, and they've traveled to the temple in Jerusalem. Why? Because they're a godly, pious Jewish couple, and they're keeping God's laws, laws of purification, laws of dedication of a firstborn son. And when they arrive at the temple with all these people that are milling around in this, this large temple area, when they arrive there, they don't know it, but there's someone who's there waiting for them, someone they've never met, a man named Simeon. And Luke tells us his story. 
Simeon, Luke tells us, is waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? Consolation means comfort. He's waiting for the comfort of Israel. He's also been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he got to see the Lord's Christ. What a promise. He's also the one who, when he spots Joseph and Mary and knows this is the baby, is able to take this baby in his arms and then say these famous words, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. I want you to hear that last phrase, according to your word. This is a man who's living by God's word. This is a man who's living by God's promises. And I wonder how long he's been waiting. We don't know. Weeks, months, years, decades. I wonder how many times has Simeon come into that temple, into that court where all these people are coming in and all these parents are coming in holding these babies. And I wonder how, how many times has he looked to see male or female? Is, Lord, is, is it that one? Is it not today? Okay. And then he comes back and then he waits and he comes back. The Holy Spirit is upon Simeon. The Holy Spirit is revealing to him what's about to happen. The Holy Spirit is guiding him so that he'll be in just the right place at just the right time. Here is a man, Simeon, who has staked his life on God's promises. I wonder, what are the anchors of hope for you today, for your life? I wonder, are the things that you're hoping in coming through for you? Or are you finding that they don't hold up, that they disappoint, that they can't deliver what they promise? God never fails. God never lies. God's promises are always true. Luke paints a picture of Simeon as a man trusting in God's promises. I mentioned earlier, it says he's looking for the consolation, the comfort of Israel. We'll sing that as we close the meeting, singing Israel's strength and consolation. Well, what Simeon is looking for is right out of Scripture, Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Her sins are more than paid for. Simeon is waiting for the promise to be kept. As Simeon speaks, listen to his words in verses 30 and 31 and 32, he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation of the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Do you know, if you know your Old Testament really well, you're hearing right there in those words a mashup of Scripture. When he talks, he talks like the Bible because he's so saturated with Scripture. And so as he's speaking in those few words, in the background, there's Isaiah 52.10 and Psalm 98.2 and Isaiah 49.6. Simeon has been reading his Bible. He's been meditating on Scripture. And he's come to realize what Jesus would later teach to his disciples. And that is that the whole Old Testament... From, from the beginning to the end, it all converges in one place. It converges on the Messiah. It converges on Jesus. And all God's promises find their yes and amen in Christ. Simeon models this for us. What are God's promises to you? 
What promises have you walked into this Sunday, November 29th, hanging on to for dear life, holding on to because God never lies? I wonder how many this morning, even here, and even as we hear about Bill Babiak in the hospital, wonder how many are in need of consolation. I wonder how many of you this morning find yourself in need of comfort. Do you have promises to hang on to? I want to leave you with one this morning. John 14, 6, Jesus says this. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. It's almost the same word in the Greek as the consolation word we've been looking at. Another comforter, another paraclete. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another one like Jesus, another comforter, to be with you how long? To be with you forever. Do you need comfort this morning? consolation this morning you have the Holy Spirit the comforter to be with you forever Simeon knew how to wait on God's promises the one who never lies second Simeon knows how to wait for the one who is salvation Simeon teaches us to look not just for a philosophy not just for a set of ideas or behaviors but for a person I want you to picture the scene who is this two-month-old child that Simeon is holding in his arms. I want you to think about what's happened here. If you go back and read Luke chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2, you find out a little bit about who this Christ is. Who is this Christ, the Lord's Christ that Simeon is holding in his arms? Well, maybe we'll, we might just ask when he says he, he would see the Lord's Christ before he dies, what, what is a Christ? What is a Christ? Who is the Christ? You know, for many today, the word Christ is just an empty word or a curse word. Seems like in popular culture, that's how it's often referred to or when it comes up. But you know, the word Christ in Greek means anointed. The Hebrew word is Mashiach, Messiah. Because in Israel, the prophets, the priests, and the kings, they were anointed with oil. They were literally anointed once. And so this baby comes as the Christ, the anointed one. Now, outwardly, Mary's holding this baby. There's nothing special about this baby. There's no halo like you see in the paintings. You know, there's no radiant beams of light flowing from. It's just a baby. You know, there's nothing special about this baby. Baby Yoda on the Mandalorian, he can coo and make cute little noises and then he can turn back a flamethrower if he needs to. He's got special powers. This little baby that Mary's holding, nothing special like that going on. And yet, think about this baby. What do we know about this Jesus? His mother is a virgin who's given birth. This baby was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. This baby is son of Mary and Son of the Most High at the same time. This is what we want to do at Christmas. We want to slow down and ponder. God the Son, eternal, never began, infinite, filling every place, everywhere present. That Son of God, without becoming anything less than he is, has added something, humanity, 
to who he is. How can that be? He's still everywhere present in the universe, and yet Simeon is holding him. How can that be? He is holding the universe together by the word of his power. The Son of God does that. He holds the universe together by the word of his power, and yet he is being held in the right and left arms of Simeon. How can that be? He's not God in a human disguise, not just sort of dressed up. God sort of zipped into a, 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 a body. You can't unzip the body and find God tucked inside. No. This one person we call Jesus Christ is one person with two natures. Fully God and fully man. And there is, there is no greater mystery in the universe. Fully God. Fully man, one person, two natures. And his parents have brought him here, as they should, to dedicate him in the temple, to dedicate him to the Lord. <laughs> I wonder what the father's reaction is in the moment when they dedicate this son. Lord, we dedicate this son of ours to you and I wonder if the father doesn't smile and say you know we've met we're actually eternally a trinity his arrival is such good news that it's like a sunrise the sunrise shall visit us from on high. That word sunrise is the word day spring in our hymn. You'll notice that as we sing it later. And as this sunrise is occurring, salvation is now becoming available to all people, Jewish and non-Jewish alike. From our fears and sins release us, we'll sing. How does he release us from our fears and sins? You know, there's a hint of how this is going to happen even here in the temple in this sweet, peaceful, incredibly fulfilling scene. Simeon says to Mary, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many. The fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that it is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. There are dark clouds on the horizon on this lovely morning. Here is a foreshadowing of Jesus' rejection. He will be opposed. There will be a falling of many. A rejection that will result in his crucifixion because he is come to earth to taste our sadness. Likely this sword piercing Mary's soul is the excruciating experience of a mom watching her son die on a cross and watching him body limp and dead, then pierced by a Roman sword. This harsh tragedy becomes the best news ever two days later when Jesus rises from the dead and then ascends to heaven. And that, that God-man is our great high priest and he ever lives to intercede for you and me. 
at the center of the universe, in the throne room of God, is a man, our great high priest, the God-man King Jesus. And you can bring your troubles to him. And you can bring your needs to him. And you can bring your sins to him. And you can bring your hopes to him. And you can bring your fears to him. And you can bring your lives to him. Because by his life, he brings us gladness. He's our redeemer, our shepherd, and our friend. And Simeon sees not just salvation as an idea, but he sees the one who is salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation, this great person, Jesus. And Simeon teaches us one more thing. He teaches us to wait because God keeps his promises. He teaches us to look to the one, to wait for the one who is salvation. And he teaches us to wait until faith becomes sight. Do you believe in Jesus Christ this morning? You've never seen him, have you? And yet we long to. And one day, Simeon, who waited and waited and waited, do you know what happened for him? Faith became sight. And the one he'd been waiting for, he was with him. My favorite word in this passage is the Greek word noon. It means now. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. In Greek, the words can be put in any order. You don't have to follow the subject, verb, object pattern we have in English. And one way to emphasize a word in Greek is to put it first in the sentence. And in the Greek, verse 29 begins with the word noon. Now. 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 Can you imagine this man's joy? Now. Now, Lord, I can go home. Now, Lord, I can come be with you. Now, Lord, I can die in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. What I have waited for, doubted, wondered, prayed for, longed for, now I have seen. It's come. He's come. Waiting isn't easy, is it? I won't ask for a show of hands for how many people absolutely love and adore waiting. But we live in the city of the wait haters, right? Nobody likes to wait, and especially it seems like around here. I, I don't like waiting. I plant grass seed every fall. It's my annual ritual. And then here's what happens. I, I put it out there one day. The next morning I come out. Come on. Like, none? It hasn't sprouted yet? Are you kidding? It's been 12 hours. I don't like waiting. I'm not good at waiting. But God insists that we Wait, because God is patient. The fruit of the Spirit of God is patience. Hold your applause on that one, please. God is steady over the long haul. God keeps his promises. God never changes. And we are being conformed to be like him and to develop the fruit of patience. And you know what? It's true, isn't it, that when you wait and wait and wait for something and then you receive it, the joy is inexpressible, isn't it? Right? Couples who have been infertile and waited and waited and then finally had a baby, there's a special joy in that. I, I remember 38 years ago, standing in a sanctuary like this, down there with guys on my left waiting 
and then having my bride come into view on her father's arm. And I remember I felt like my face was going to crack because I was smiling so much. The joy of having waited and receiving what's been promised. Joy to those who long to see thee. What are you waiting for today? Who are you waiting for today? Joy to those who long to see thee. There are many good hopes, good things, good people to wait for, but there is one ultimate. The greatest hope is to be with God, to be in his presence, to be a part of his family in a thanksgiving get-together that never ends. Revelation 21.3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Can you see it? Can, can that imagination grasp? He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And the one who is salvation will be there. The one our souls have longed for and waited for. We will see him. He will be our God with us. That's the advent we're waiting for today. We live in between two advents. That's the moment when the not yet gets swallowed up by the now and the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. Christmas is a gift to remember Advent number one and then hear Jesus' voice at the very end of the, of the Bible promising Advent two. Hear the words of Revelation 22.20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Who, who's saying what in that verse? He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming soon. Who's saying that? You know who that is? That's Jesus. Can you hear his voice? Can you see it with the eyes of your hearts? Can your imagination grasp the promise? Surely I am coming soon soon and the response people like Simeon and countless other saints and Redeeming Grace Church and millions around the world Amen come Lord Jesus Amen come Lord Jesus say it with me Amen come Lord Jesus surely I am coming soon that's the advent we're waiting for Jesus is worth waiting for Simeon teaches us Let's close by singing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. As the band comes up, I'll just read for you verse 1. Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Let's all stand. Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Let's lift our voices and sing to the one who is salvation.